God, we have a reason to sing. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 38 is where we're going to start. Might back up just a little bit. And uh, after I preached last Sunday night, the Lord laid on my heart uh, all the things that I left out. Amen. And it, I don't know why he did that because uh, I just didn't think of it until after I preached. So I said, well, I got another chance. I'm going to preach a little bit more on this subject of prayer. A place of prayer. A place of prayer. If you have your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 14. I've enjoyed immensely going through the book of Mark. I don't want it to end. Amen. As Brother Sexton said, and what an amazing, he'd been under five or six reconstruction surgeries. I mean, rods in his back, couldn't move. But when he got up here, he had the power of God on his life to preach on some certainties. I'd be certain about a few things and tremendous. And I thank God for the whole month. Amen. I, I wrote Brother Mike McDaniel and told him how much I appreciated him being a nobody, telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. You don't have to be a famous preacher. You don't have to have a big church. You just need to preach the word. Amen. Uh, I tuned in to Dr. Sexton's um, service Wednesday night, and I could not believe that they had more in their choir than we had in the whole auditorium Wednesday night. Amen. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But you know something? God gives different responsibilities in different places for people to minister. We just need to be faithful where we're at. Not compare ministries either. I'm, I'm bad about that. So why don't we have that many? But uh, I appreciate you being here. And I want you to pray especially for Brother Jeremy and Sister Angie uh, as they have to make an important decision today down in Vidalia. They've had them down, back down because they want them to be pastor and pastor's wife. And it's easy on the pastor. I'll tell you who it's a, it's a big step for, and that's the pastor's wife. They have to give up their job, their friends, their home, their family. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, preacher, he gets so wrapped up in preaching, he could care less about all that other stuff. But I'll tell you what, a pastor's wife, it's tough to make a big move like that. And they're going down to Vidalia for the third time to discuss um, maybe the possibility of being a pastor. Then also I want you to pray for those uh, that are in the hurricane path. I've been praying that it would turn north. But then I started thinking, i got a lot of friends in North Carolina. Amen. So it's, it's due to hit there instead of Florida. And all the linemen that are risking their lives are going to have to turn around and go up to North Carolina and South Carolina. That's where it's projected to hit. You never know. I hope it just does a U-turn and goes out to the sea and twirls up by itself. Amen? But uh, aren't you glad you live in the mountains? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Everybody likes the coast for about a week. We have one of those things coming in on you. You want to get to the mountains. Amen? I like the higher ground. Praise God. The mountains. I love it. All right, let's, let's read the Word of God, uh, Mark chapter 14, and um, I want to start with verse 32, just review. Let's stand on the Word of God, and I want to take one word and preach it, uh, if I might, but I'll preach it verse by verse too, but I want to emphasize one word in verse 32. As Dr. Sexton said, if you're in the habit of circling or marking your Bible, mark the word place. The Bible says, then they came to a place. Everybody will have a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and began to soar, be a sore amazed and to be very heavy, very heavy, and said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. 
Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He's about to die for your sins. And he said, Abba, Father, Papa, close your communion. All things are possible to thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. And said unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou, because thou not watch one hour. And here's a great verse. It says, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words, same prayer. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wished they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and he said to them, sleep on now. Take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up. Let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Tonight I'll preach the rest of these verses on the arrest of Jesus. And also verse 51 and 52, where a man lost his shirt off his back. My question is, why did he lose his shirt off his back? I'm convinced it was Mark. I'm convinced of it. And we'll be preaching on that tonight, so don't miss 6 o'clock, whatever you do. But I'll just preach a place of prayer tonight, this morning. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer, and thank you for the privilege of having a place of prayer. God, may we all have a place to pray. And Lord, we thank you, dear God, for all that you're going to do through the answers of prayer. God, may you open sinners' eyes to see you, first of all, high and lifted up, and to see themselves headed to hell if they're not saved, and see their sin is exceedingly sinful, and the sin of unbelief that would condemn them to hell. And so, Lord, please, open our eyes, but open our eyes. Give us a burden to pray for one another. Give us a burden to intercede for others. I mean, really pray, God, for others. Pray for Brother Jeremy and Sister Angie as they're down in Vidalia. God, give them the perfect peace of God about this wonderful but mammoth decision. Lord, be with those in harm's way in the Bahamas. And God, we thank you, God, for uh, turning that storm uh, north. And I thank you, God, for the answer of prayer. I know many grandmamas and mamas uh, have been praying for their children down in Florida those that's going to go down there and try to help. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd be with those and protect and watch over them. And God, we just thank you for this privilege to preach on a place of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I was talking to Brother Randy Bell the other day, well, probably the other month ago, and he's taken over the Honduras ministry after uh, Joan Tyson died. And... Uh, I, I said, well, how's it going down there? And he said, well, Brother Wayne, I, I'm going down there next week. And when I go down there next week, I'm going to ask every pastor, and there's 60 of them, 60 churches in Honduras and Nicaragua, I'm going to ask every pastor there to do one thing for me. I said, what's that, Brother Randy? He said, I'm going to ask them to show me their place of prayer. 
He said, because I'm convinced, Brother Wayne, if a person doesn't have a place of prayer, he doesn't pray. And I thought that was great, amen. I always preach you could pray in the middle of an intersection when three lady, lady drivers are trying to hit you and just throw up a flare prayer, say amen. Uh, you, know, you pray all the time. You pray without ceasing, yes. But I want to tell you this, friend. You need to have a place of prayer. And I want to tell you, if you don't have a place of prayer, you're probably not habitual, you're probably not faithful, and you're probably not fervent in your prayer life. And that's convicting to me. Because i got several places of prayer, but boy, I praise God for uh, that little chair in my study at home where I can kneel and ask God to do the impossible. That I can travail in prayer for each one of you. I've, I found a list of, uh, of every member of our church, and I have the directory, and I've had a wonderful time this week uh, praying over every name. Some people we hadn't seen in a long time, the Allens and others, that even switched churches, I could pray for them. People that their families are falling apart. I mean, their children on the brink of despair because they've had to leave their husband and go off into a foreign country called, called the North and, and all this stuff. You can pray for people with, with some perseverance and some pressure and some agony and travail. And folks, if you don't, who's going to? Our Lord prayed. And our Lord prayed that these disciples would not uh, rise up in uh, pride and vainglory and self-confidence and that they would pray with Him. But they went to sleep. You ever tried to pray and went to sleep? Hey, let me ask you a real personal question. You ever tried to listen to me preach and went to sleep? Don't answer that question right now. Amen. Praise God. Just nod your head and come back up. Say amen. But I want to tell you something, folks. Randy Bell asked that uh, question to every Honduran preacher, and folks, I believe that he really probably exhorted and rebuked them if they did not have a place of prayer. We have a place to preach. We have a place to play. We have a place to watch TV all day, say amen, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, thank the Lord for all that. But is it more important than prayer? Is it more important than having a place of prayer? I see, first of all, as I pointed out last Sunday night, and just in review, uh, our Savior had a place of pressure. It became a place. He said they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. Now, if you'll go to John chapter 18 and study it very closely, Judas knew where to find him because the Bible says that he and his disciples went often to the place of Gethsemane. They often went to the place of pressure. And not just to get away from pressure, but to bear other people's pressure. Folks, compassion will cost you. You put your life in somebody else's place, it'll cost you some agony. If you put yourself in the place of a lady that's home just broke up, it'll cost you some comfort. You won't be happy that moment. As you pray, you won't just throw up a little word prayer, but you'll have a broken heart towards somebody that's going through something that you could be going through, but if by the grace of God, your marriage is together. Amen. Compassion bears the pressure. Compassion walks in the shoes of somebody else. Compassion puts feet on your prayer. Folks, the Bible says that the Good Samaritan went over to the other side of the road, didn't walk... Uh, by the, like the Pharisees and the Levite and the priests did on the other side and ignore the guy in the ditch that had been beaten up and stripped and had nothing. And he stopped and put him up on his beast and carried him to an inn. And the Bible said 
that, uh, in, in Luke chapter 10 that we ought to have compassion like that. It was a picture of compassion that Jesus left the splendor and glory of heaven and went into the ditch of this world and rescued your, soul, your, your sinful soul because He loved you. Amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to love others enough to have a place of pressure. A place of pressure. The Bible says that He sweat uh, drops of blood and uh, uh, sweat uh, poured from His pores, the Bible said, and other passions. And he agonized, and he had exceeding sorrowful unto death. And he was sore amazed and very heavy. I mean, he was very broken. Folks, I want to tell you something. The reason most people don't pray, it's not easy. Let me just say this. I don't understand Labor Day, but I'm glad we have it because it'll give you a day to, to not labor tomorrow. Maybe you're off. I don't understand what it is. I'm going to look it up. I'll give you a full definition tonight of what Labor Day is. Just want y'all to know, y'all to come back for that, praise God. I mean, you know, y'all to run to the house of God just to find out what Labor Day is all about. No. But I want to tell you something, the greatest labor you can ever have is laboring in prayer. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 real quick. Galatians 4, 19. The Bible says, and all you ladies that's had a baby, you're going to identify with this verse real quick. It ain't easy to have a baby, is it? Oh, come on now. We men have a kidney stone, we about die. Y'all have a nine-pound kidney stone, and we just sit there and say, is it that bad? No. Better not say that. I almost did say that, and I would have been among the missing. But look at this, verse 19, it says this, My little children, in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Amen. The Bible says we ought to travail that Christ be formed in others. You ought to have a place of prayer for others to be like Jesus. And I say this, you ought to have a place of prayer that first you'll be like Jesus so they'll have somebody to look up to, say amen. Somebody to admire, somebody to emulate, have an example. Folks, travail's real labor. Hey, uh, come on ladies, say amen. Travail's real labor. But praise God, Praise God, the fruit is worth it all. Say amen. My wife had all four of our children naturally. That means no sedatives, no epidural. And she had 14 pounds of baby uh, the, uh, in the middle of uh, Jason. And, and um, uh, no, it was the last, last yeah, it was, it was stopping no more. That's right. We nicknamed them stopping no more. The last two babies were twins. And I want to tell you something. Stephen became transverse and breached and everything else. And man, I'm going to tell you something. She was suffering to get those babies in the right place. And that's uh, next to daddy's wallet. No, but, uh, and, and thank God. Thank God those babies came out all right. And I was so indebted to Stephen uh, that I named the babies Stephen and Stephanie. Stephen Rich was the, pa was the pastor, was the doctor. I said, what's your name, Stephen? I said, I'll name it Stephen. Y'all thought it was so biblical that I was naming after the guy in Acts 7. No, I was naming after the doctor. Praise God. He saved my boy and saved my little girl and, Stephen and Stephanie. Uh, Stephen, uh, Stephanie was born 13 minutes before Stephen, and she's never let him forget it. She's always tried to boss him around. He just walks off. Amen. He don't even listen. Makes a good husband. But anyway, listen, folks. Travail. Travail. You ought to travail. You ought to some labor. But the fruit is worth it. Folks, I believe that a place of prayer uh, should be a place of pressure. 
bearing other people's pressure, bearing other people's problems, bearing other people's heartaches. Folks, sometimes we try to get isolated. We don't want to get close because it might cost us something. To be a close friend, it'll cost you something. But folks, to be a prayer warrior, it'll cost you something. It'll cost you your ease in Zion. And folks, prayer is the hardest thing you'll ever try to do faithfully. To have a place of prayer. I mean, everything will come up. Facebook will come up. Snapchat will come up. Messengers will come up. Computers will uh, jump out at you and grab your attention. TV will come up. Football teams would come up. I promised I wouldn't mention that. By the way, this is Georgia State's color. But anyway, um, I said I wouldn't mention it. But God help us. God help us to not be distracted. Yesterday, speaking of that game, and I said I wouldn't mention it because some of y'all are very staunch Tennessee fans. I hadn't won you over to Georgia in 42 years. I know I won't ever win you over. But uh, did you notice that Georgia State coach? He was drenched from head to toe. Sweat. He put everything he had into that game. You Tennessee fans wish your team would have put everything they had into that game. <laughs> but I thought to myself, I thought to myself, if somebody can sweat great drops of sweat, pour their whole summer into winning a blooming ball game, I think we can pray with some fervency. Say amen. I believe we can pray for the eternal. Say amen. I believe we can pray for what really counts because it's not a game. Folks, there's a hell and there's a heaven and we need to be fervent, more fervent than an athlete, more fervent than a coach, more fervent than a fan about things that count. Say amen. Well, I tell you what, y'all, I just rung some of y'all's bells, amen. Y'all thought I was going to come preach on sports. No, folks, I'm preaching against the devil trying to distract you from your place of prayer. We can watch and we can, we can spend money and we can travel for what we love. But can you spend one hour in prayer? Amen. Come, on. Come on, say amen. Praise God. I, I, I like to go to a restaurant and spend one hour in eating. <laughs> I mean, and I eat fast. My wife eats slow and then I wait on her for 30 minutes. Amen. We, we, go, we, go, we go the extra mile Man, we'll, go, we'll drive over to Dahlonega for the, for the buffet. Come on now. But will we spend one hour in prayer? For those that are dying and going to hell and those that their families falling apart and their children are living like hellions and ruining their life and drugged up and doped up and, and, and mar- marrying the wrong person and now the will of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We better start getting serious about this place of prayer in these last days for our loved ones. I'm glad the Lord had enough discipline to find a place of prayer. And then he came back and they were asleep. It's a place of pressure. But I believe, folks, it's a place of protection. Look at verse 38. It says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter in temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It's a place of pressure, but it's a place of protection. The flesh is weak. The devil will nip you in your prayer life and destroy you. Yes. If you don't pray about everything, you're going to make some bad mistakes. That's right. Hey, let me just say this. You marry some hellion. Hey, listen, listen to me, girls. 
Don't you just date somebody that's saved. Date somebody that's spiritual and like Christ. Amen. Come on. You daddies and mamas ought to have your head examined by who you expose your kids to. That's right. They'll use your little girl. They will abuse her mentally, emotionally, and they will walk off in the sunset with another woman if they're not spiritual. Right. Say amen right there. Oh, no, that never happened. Don't you ever say never. Amen. I think I preached on that a little yes. while ago. Don't you ever say that. Right. Don't ever say never because it will happen if you're not careful. And that's why we need to beat the devil off our children's back. Amen. Come on. Right. I'd appreciate it if you beat the devil off my back. Amen. You think it's easy preaching? You ought to try it once in a while. You think it's easy pastoring a church? You think it's easy to have a place of prayer and pray for every one of you every day? It's, it's, it's work. It's labor. It's discipline. And folks, listen, when you're hyperactive, sometimes you don't, want to, you don't want to stop and have a place of prayer. You just want to get it done. But that's the flesh. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is ready. Isn't that a great verse? And folks, they just found out how weak it was. They couldn't even stay awake. They couldn't even pray. And Je Peter just said, I'll die for you. He couldn't even stay awake. Oh, it's easy to say you're going to be some great dynamic disciple and, and say you're going to go all the way to Calvary with him. And then he went to sleep. That's just like a Baptist, isn't it? I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this, if you'll write me up in the bulletin. And I'll do this and I'll do that. And then don't even show up faithful. Can't even worship faithful. Can't even put your little hobbies aside to come on Sunday morning. You're going to reap what you sow one day because you dropped the fence of protection around your children's life. And they marry wrong. They marry some carnal person. They marry some wicked person. They marry a lost person. And folks, if you made that mistake, you better hang in there and pray and ask God to save your husband. But I want to tell you something. I'm glad I had a praying mama. I guarantee you today I'd be an alcoholic following Georgia State football around all over the country thinking that's life. It ain't life. Folks, this is life. Seeing your prayers answered is life and joy. I want to tell you something, friend. We need some people to get in the prayer closet or the place of prayer Pray for protection for their family. Amen. Protection for their preacher. Yes. Protection for their friend. Mm -hmm. Protection for their wife. Mm -hmm. Hey, let me just say this, Daddy and Mama. Protection for your children. Amen. Hey, you go through it like some of you parents have gone through it and see Casanova walk off in the sunset. Yes. You'll, you'll wish the, the day that you'd been in that place of prayer begging God for her to have more wisdom than to marry that bum. Pardon the expression. Spiritually bum. Yes. Going to heaven and not living it. That's, that's, that's hobo for Christian. That's hobo for Christ. Just getting all the benefits but never being faithful for God. It's a place of prayer. Folks, I want to tell you something. The devil will try to nip your life, not in the bud, but in the prayer room. See, the Lord wants you to be usable. And folks, if you're not operating in the Spirit, you're not usable. You're abusable. 
the devil will take you for a ride. Pride cometh before a fall. Can somebody say amen? And I'm not looking at no Tennessee fan when I said that. Pride comes before a fall. Come on. Well, I got this one. You know, no problem. And folks, more important, sometimes you say, I got this life. Uh, I got this uh, attack of, uh, of uh, adultery on my life. I got, I, got this, I got this in control. I can handle it, Lord. No, you can't. If the disciples couldn't handle it, you can't handle it. Amen. You need God. Where do you find God in your private place of prayer? In the will of God. Folks, you're, no, you're never more like Jesus than when you're submitting to the will of God. I said submitting to the will of God and you're praying for others. You're never more like Jesus. Jesus submitted to the will of God even though it meant Calvary. He saw the cup of wrath. He saw the fury of your sin and my sin. He saw the payment of hell coming down on him in that cup of the wrath of God. And he said, Lord, if there's another way that was his manhood speaking. I, 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 really, I really asked you to do that. And then he said, there ain't no other way. Because you're the way. And I'm the way. And he said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. You're never more like God than when you submit your will to God. And where do you submit your will to God? Same place Jesus submitted his will, in the prayer closet. You want your will to be put in proper place. Here it is. Go to praying. And ask God the Holy Spirit to crucify your will. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you die to self. Help your, help, help. You ought to pray this. Lord, I want to die to self. I want you to empty all the self out of me. But don't stop there. Say, Lord, fill me to overflow with your presence. Amen. Then you can pray for others. Then you can live for others. Then you can sacrifice for others. Not my will, but thine be done. Last but not least, it's a place of priority. I'm glad the Lord had a priority of submission to the will of God. And then he looked at them after they'd fallen asleep. And he said, watch ye and pray, verse 38, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And then notice this. Notice this. He said, and again he went away, prayed, and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. You know, if it was like most preachers, they'd just march you off because you slept all the time. But you didn't show up prayer meeting. You ain't going to be used to God. I want to tell you something. You master club leaders, if you really mean business about being effective teachers, you'll be in that prayer meeting at 530 because your little, your little illustrations, your little teaching, your little game time, all that stuff is good. But I want to tell you something. If you ain't got the power of God on your life, those kids aren't going to notice anything worth about you. They prayed. The place was shaking. They all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. But the Bible says in Acts 4.13, they marveled and took note of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. Folks, this world today is not impressed with your methodology. This world's not impressed with your personality. This world's not impressed with your even discipline and character. They're impressed with Jesus. And the only way you yield to Jesus is get on your knees and say, God, 
My flesh is weak. I cannot teach. I cannot deek. I cannot preach. But you can. And I yield to you. Folks, I said it a thousand times. I'll say it one thousand one times. It's not your willing and dealing. It's your yielding that counts. If you leave prayer out of your life, what you're saying is, I'm enough. I can do it on my own. And so, folks, it's a place of priority. The priority is Jesus. And it's not self. I hate to say this, but a lot of people are in it for what they can be seen about. Amen. It's all flesh. Well, I want to tell you something. It don't make you a man because you can go up here to this place and pump iron and be real strong. Look at me. No, no, no. I mean, mirrors everywhere. You ever been in one of those places? I thought about going and joining one. I thought about it. You walk in there, it's mirrors everywhere. I don't think I could stand looking at myself until I got in shape. Say amen. Woo! But boy, we're going to pump it up. We're going to be macho. We're going to be strong. Folks, that don't make a man a man. I'll tell you what makes a man. A man is a man that will yield to God's spirit and not let him get the glory, but God get the glory and kneel and kneel and kneel in their place of prayer and say, God help me. The devil trembles at the weakest person in this room that falls on their knees because you become infused with his power that is undeniable. Tonight I'll preach on it, but when they came to arrest him, he said, I am. And they fell back on their backs. And every time I... Read that in John 18. I think about a turtle in the middle of a hot pavement road just wiggling his little old feet and can't get back over. Amen? You ever tried to stop and flip it over? Now some of y'all tried to run it over. But I want to say this. I want to say this right now. I want to say this right now. They were helpless when they realized who he was. He just said, I am. Boom! And then Peter, he tries to get in the flesh and Cut Malchus's ear off. And he said, what are you doing? Flesh again, Peter. Overreacting, Peter. And he picked up the ear. Put it back on Malchus's head. And it's a good thing he did. Because I'm going to tell you something. Peter and that whole crowd, over 600 men was with Judas, would have slayed them in a second. There'd been no Pentecost. There'd been no preaching at Pentecost. There'd been no turning up the world upside down by those, those old boys because they'd all be dead. But Jesus had compassion. He said, wait a minute. We don't operate that way. Give me that ear. Put it back on Malchus's ear. What a blessing it was to Malchus. But what a blessing it was to the disciples because they'd have been killed in an instant. You better not sleep. You better find a place of prayer. Because it's a place to relieve other people's pressures. It's a place of intercession. Jesus was not praying for himself. He was praying for you and me. Let me give you two things that happened after that prayer. I'm closing. I see, first of all, he prayed again. There ought to be some perseverance in prayer. Don't we give up too quick? You know, we pray about a year and then that's it. We pray an hour and boy, that's all we can do. We pray once a week. Some, some prayer, 
prayer, prayer life is to the extent of praying before every meal. Now, folks, don't think you're spiritual. Only heathens don't pray before meals. Say amen. And I don't believe you ought to pray for the missionary movement of the independent Baptist before a meal either, praise God. Just pray for the food. You're not eating the missionaries, you're eating the food. Just get to the point. But if that's the only time you pray, you got some problems. You need to have a place of prayer. If you saw the warfare for a second, you'd, you'd fall on your knees right now. If you saw the imps of hell that's trying to take your little daughter and put her in a home of chaos and ruin and divorce and abuse, you'd fall on your knees right now. You wouldn't wait for an invitation if you saw for a second what the devil's got planned for your children. But I see two things that happen, and I'll close. Verse 41, And he cometh the third time and said to them, Sleep on now, take your rest. And here's the three words. It is enough. The hour is Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise up! Let us go! Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. He said two interesting things. Number one, he said, it is enough. The hour has come. You know what he's saying? I've got peace about this. He had relief, and then he had strength. He wasn't sweating great, great drops of blood when he said, hey, it's time. See, he had found relief in the place of prayer. Oh, what pain we often bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I want to say in closing, Jesus found peace. And you can find peace. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But right before that it says, these things have I spoken to you that you might have peace. The Bible says in John 14, 27, peace I give you, not that the world gives, but I give unto you peace. The peace of God. The peace from above. Folks, in this tumultuous day of pressure, God is our peace. Amen. And I'll just say this. Some of y'all are falling to pieces. Some of y'all are so concerned about yourself. You're so nervous and so worried. Find you a place of prayer and find peace. I'll tell you how you find peace in the will of God. Let the Bible says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know what the word rule means? You're out! It means umpire. When you're out of the will of God, you have no peace. When the Lord was wrestling with the will of God, he had no peace. But then he said, okay, it's time. He got up in peace. He said, hey, let's go ahead and sleep. It don't matter. Just go ahead. I ain't going to worry about you. You want to sleep? Just sleep. He said, sleep on now. Get you some rest. The hour's come. It is enough. But then look at verse 42, and I close. He says, rise up. <laughs> Amen. And I want to say this, friend. It's not only a place of peace, but it's a place of power. Great power. Great power. It's the power of the resurrection. I want to tell you where you find great peace. In the presence of God. There's a verse that I love. Psalms 119, 165. It's on the backs. It's on over the platform of the camp meeting down there in Resaca. I'm so glad they got that verse down there. 
Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Amen? Some of the most offensive people I've ever seen needs that verse. Oh, you know, he's not spiritual, and she's not spiritual, and I don't like him, and I don't like what he does. That ain't peace. Peace is, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can to submit to God's will, and great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'm not there, I'll just tell you that. I'll get offended. I'll get offended. I'm glad you Tennessee fans could take a joke this morning. But I sometimes get offended. How about you? Amen. I was looking for my letter jacket. I said I wouldn't mention that. George State University letter jacket. We didn't even have a football team. We didn't have a basketball team. We just had a soccer team. We were the team. Win, lose, or draw, we were something, boy. We were the team. We didn't win anything. But I'll tell you what. Uh, I could see when my wife said, where's my letter jacket? I could see in her eyes what she was thinking. She was thinking, if you find it, you couldn't put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. It might fit one of my arms. Skinny Kenny, I was the fastest guy on the soccer team back then, praise God. I I was Flash Gordon. Now I get out of breath when I go to the table to eat. Folks, I want to say this. I want to say it clearly. Nothing shall offend you. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend you. But I want to tell you how you can stop being so offended. Find you a place of prayer. And pray for the person that you like least. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Pray for the person that hates you. And you don't really like. Come on. Down in Claxton, when my preacher killed his wife and ran off with the secretary, I took a stand for God, and everybody didn't understand it. No, nobody understood what I was taking a stand for. And I was the interim pastor there for a while. And, I, and when Brother Paul came on the scene, I said, there's some people who want to kill me in this town. He said, I'll tell you what you do, Wayne. Every day, three times a day, pray for them. So I'd hit my knees and pray for Carson Sands, big landowner to help start the church. And he would kill you. He was just an old hunter. He would kill you. Matter of fact, he pointed a, a rifle at me and says, if you ever step foot on this property again, I will kill you. Because he thought I turned against my pastor. I didn't turn against my pastor. I'm standing for what's right. Amen. He turned to sin. He turned to adultery. He killed my wife's best friend. And I prayed three times a day. And before Brother Paul... Before I left there two years later to start this church, me and Carson were best friends. He found out the truth. He found out I was standing for what was right, not against the man of God. And we're best friends. If he was alive today, I could go stay at his house and eat there. We ate there many times, but I had to pray three times a day for him. Lord, help him understand. Lord, please, help me not to get mad at him. Mad even with him. And so it's great peace, but it's great power. Power to protect the disciples so they could establish God's church and equip it and carry the gospel to the ends of the world. And he started that when he said, hey, listen, I am. Cut off his ear, picked it up, and he said, I'm going to heal you. And he submitted to that riotous, tumultuous band of men and walked off to a 
unfair trial and went to Calvary for your sins and died a terrible death. Why? Because there's power in control. And he found that in a place of prayer. You want to find peace? You want to find power? You want to find Jesus? You want to find joy? You want to find contentment? I beg you, this week, find a place of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence and thank you for your power and I just want to personally thank you for your peace. It's kept me sane over these 42 years of pastoring. It's kept me focused. It's kept me in the will of God. And Lord, I thank you for a praying wife. I thank you for praying deacons. I thank you for a church that prays together for their pastor, for their family for their children. God forgive us for sometimes not having that special place of prayer. A place of protection. A place of compassion. A place of priority. Thy will. Not my will. And a place of power. Your power not the power of the flesh. Lord, forgive us for being so self-sufficient that we do not have a place 